Okay, welcome everyone to tuning into August's Southwest Climate Podcast. It's uh, Friday, August 23rd, and uh, we've had a couple close to two month layoff. Um, so we'll get up, we'll get you all up to speed on the monsoon, which will be the topic of, uh, of, of this issue. And I've got with me uh, two people that know a lot more about the monsoon than I do. So, so we're lucky to have uh, JJ Bros, who's the uh, Science and Operations Officer for the National Weather Service here in Tucson with us. And also uh, Mike Crimmins, Dr. Mike Crimmins, who's a longtime part of this podcast series. So um, now that the monsoon's about two-thirds of the way through, uh, I think it's time to have a little bit of a retrospective look back on, on, on the first month and a half or so, a little bit more than a month and a half. So, um, so I'm going to turn it over to JJ. We'll, we'll take a look at the, at the local picture first, and then hopefully Mike can chime in a little bit on the, on the synoptic regional view. So... Uh, so JJ, uh, a little bit about how the monsoons evolved so far. What's been really interesting, especially for the Tucson metro area, uh, certainly up until about, oh, maybe August 20th or so, uh, we, were, we had a very distinct line between the wetter areas and the drier areas. Basically that line was maybe Grant Road or, or, or Silver Bell Road, where if you were south of that, and especially heading down towards, say, Santa Cruz County, you've been doing great. You know, you've had heavy rains. There was even an event along I-19 early in the monsoon that they had so much rain in, I think it was a three or six hour period. It was like a a hundred year event, just something that only happens once in a hundred years or or only has a 1% chance of happening in any year. So it was very rare, heavy rain event. It did cause some flooding problems, of course. Uh, But then if you go, if you were to have gone north of Grant Road and towards the foothills, it was just dry. I mean, I live in Marana, and we had maybe one good rain early in the monsoon around July 4th weekend. Uh, and then after that, I would get spit on, just, just enough to know that it rained and, and messed my car up, but not enough to be beneficial. And that's really been kind of the persistent pattern up until, uh, like I said, about uh, August 20th or so. And it didn't really break significantly, but we started to see a few more events go through Tucson. And in fact, on Thursday, uh, which was the 22nd of August, I uh, happened to be on Orange Grove Road and I-10, and they had an incredible uh, thunderstorm, incredible heavy rain. I believe the uh, nearest observations were saying almost two inches, like 1.73. Hmm. So great rain, uh, flooding problems. The Orange Grove underpass had probably two feet of water in it. Wow. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, it was it was just incredible. So. Uh, the last few days have started to turn that trend around to be a little bit wetter in the Tucson area, uh, but in general, you know, we're still looking to get a little bit more rain. Now, if if so, I've been in and out this this summer, so um, you know, my my perception of this monsoon is, is is about when I've here when I'm here, and I've been back for a while, and like you said, it's been relatively dry until until recently. But it seems like July was fairly good, fairly wet for a lot of places, and August has, has fizzled, which, if I remember correctly, is exactly what happened last year. Is that a fair characterization of like the, the Tucson weather forecast area? Yes, absolutely, and, and, and so we, in our office, we focus on basically southeast Arizona, so Pima County over to Graham and Greenlee County, right? And if you, you look at that large-scale picture, somewhat large-scale picture, uh, it's exactly as you characterized. July was great for almost everywhere except Tucson and, say, Pima County, right? If you were to go across Cochise County, uh, Grand and Greenlee County, up through the White Mountains, just an incredible, incredible July. Uh, some places, Douglas, for instance, had 
13 inches of rain in July, and their average is like five. Wow. <laughs> so they did great. Um, and, and certainly that trend uh, continued a little bit in early August, and then we had that break, just like we had last year, where we dried out, uh, we heated up pretty significantly. We, in fact, had uh, high temperatures in the Tucson area, about 107, 108 degrees, which is several degrees above normal. And that pattern actually occurred across most of southeast Arizona. We were several degrees above normal for a good three to five day period, just like in 2012, although it was hotter in 2012. We ramped up to, I think, 111 or 112, hmm. give or take, in Tucson. So a little warmer at that time, but uh, nonetheless very hot now. Uh, interesting thing, just like last year, we had that four to six day period of, of unseasonably warm temperatures, and then it broke and the rain started. Same thing happened this year. We were up around 105, we, we trended up to 107, 108 for maybe a week, and then the next day we had showers and thunderstorms in, in Tucson. And that trend has been kind of persistent over the last uh, few days where it's it's been a little bit cooler and more moist, so that's good to see. So uh, I'm curious. So Mike's uh, the you're the regional picture. You actually had the the tough the tough task of of breaking down a very heterogeneous area into you know, coherent narratives. Right. And so I, I have to <laughs> so, start off with how distracted I am by how dry it's been in my house. So <laughs> yeah. I, I I get a lot of JJ and I are talking and Zach gets these calls too. But we we get a lot of calls from people in Tucson proper who say this is the worst monsoon. Must be terrible everywhere, and I fall I fell into that narrative as well because we've had less than three inches at my house, and you know we're supposed to be up around six, and it's been in a handful of events, a lot of spit. Um, and yesterday we did get a third of an inch, which mm -hmm. is our second largest event of the whole summer. But as you start to look at the data and you sort of pan out across the entire region, um, there are a lot of people. You know, you look for sort of unit of population. There are probably more people suffering than not. Right. Area-wise across the southwest, the southwest is doing very, very well. Um, this has been a, um, a, an amazing monsoon, as JJ was pointing out, across southeast Arizona. The, the frequency of events has been um, good, the, the spacing and distribution of them. There's a um, couple of events. Um, we had some <clears throat> reports on rain log of um, six-inch totals with an event in uh, July. It was a six-inch total event. An overnight event. A big, strong system came up out of Mexico and um, slopped along the borderlands region, and we, we were skeptical, right? Because we a lot of our, our rain loggers have six-inch true check gauges. <laughs> they had overtopped their gauges, and, it, and the people were writing us saying, please don't throw out my observation. This is not a mistake. A lot of people huh. will enter and transpose the decimal point. But we had six, seven people actually report six-inch totals wow. um, from this event, which is pretty... That sounds record-setting. It seems, I can't even remember what the return roll on that. <laughs> it's significant. It'd be significant too, and they were convective too. So they were. This was occurring in a you know shorter than twenty four hour period of time. So pretty impressive. So, so this actually brings up a good point. If you were to just look at the, the the Tucson airport rain gauge as your synoptic view of the monsoon, your regional view of the monsoon, it'd be misleading. Yeah, absolutely. We have that problem all over the place, you know. And, and it's it's not that we don't want more rain gauges or we don't have more rain gauges but there's only so many places that we actually have a long enough record that we can put any sort of context with them so we use the, the airport rain gauge because it's a good high quality long-term record right we have um precip network across and you have this across most of the metro areas across the southwest of flood control district gauges which we'll all pay attention to some volunteer networks like rain log and cocoros and when you actually start to paw through that data i was just doing that with with tucson you see some 
really, really heterogeneous patterns. And as JJ was saying, there's there's a hole in the middle of town with many, many people <laughs> seeing you know three inches or less. But if you get closer to the mountains, if you go to Vail, there are several people who have recorded over eight inches of rain, which is pretty good. And I've watched most of those storms from my backyard dump water there and expectantly waiting for that storm to sort of move over me and it just falls apart. But that's the monsoon. Yeah. I and mean, that's kind of the way it works. So you, so we all expect there to be more precipitation at higher elevations just because the, the, the topography helps force that sort of convection uh, that's necessary. But um, you also need other sort of characteristics that push that those storms off. You need you need good you need strong winds, right? Right, JJ. Am I getting this? Yep. Am I getting this right? And Absolutely. then and then you also need um, some instability in, in the in the atmosphere in the in the valleys to then create that convection that's necessary. So. Did we have those things in place? Did we have moisture? Um, did we have um, uh, instability and, and, and winds uh, in, we, it seems like we had them in July and for the most part we haven't, had them, have not had them in, in August. Is that a fair character, characterization? Yes, that is fair. Yes, we dried out a little bit in August and, and the winds uh, dissipated because our high pressure, that monsoon high we talked about, uh, shifted down uh, a little bit over Mexico, and then it kind of parked itself right over the top of us, which is when we really heated up and had those warm temperatures. So, but have we had good persistent moisture for the most part, and just not some of the other ingredients that's necessary to create a, sort of a good widespread monsoon, or at least in July or in, in August? You know, we really have, uh, and I think we, we're seeing that uh, across other parts of the state where they're where they're getting all the abundant rainfall. We do these weather balloons twice a day, and and. Uh, attached to the weather balloon is, is a piece of equipment called a radio sonde, and it, it measures atmospheric conditions all the way up into the highest levels of the atmosphere and transmit them back down. One of the things that it, it measures is moisture, and we can do uh, take, take that column of moisture from the ground basically up to the upper portion of the atmosphere and say, okay, if, if all of that moisture were to be wrung out, for lack of a better term, and put into a rain bucket, how much rain would it produce? Uh, we call that precipitable water. And uh, frequently our, our average precipitable water values in Arizona during the monsoon, or in Tucson, I should say, during the monsoon, might be around an inch and a half. Maybe a wet period would be up towards an inch and three quarters, things like that. And uh, actually many days this, this month, or the August, uh, the last few days, and also the wet periods we had in July, uh, we were up around one and three quarters, upwards of two inches, and two inches is kind of a max where we've, we, we're usually not seeing two-inch precipitable water values, but we hit that several times in July, uh, and we're actually anticipating similar moisture conditions in through the, the upcoming weekend uh, with the approach of uh, Tropical Storm Ivo, and it's probably going to push a bunch of moisture in. So we've had the moisture, uh, the, the winds have been a little bit lacking. They're not able to uh, force the storms, for lack of a better term, into the valleys, okay? So we're getting a lot of mountain convection like we see every year, but then they tend to be hugging the terrain mm -hmm. a little bit more. Uh, all other, other than in, say, the eastern portion of the state, where you're getting a little bit better wind and you're seeing the storms blow across the valleys of Cochise County, Graham and Greenlee County. It's just been a little bit on the light side here. And, and you know, like Mike said, I've been watching storms pouring over Mount Lemon where they've had upwards of 13, 14 inches of rain, I just want a little breeze, just, just <laughs> right blow it down the hill. Right. So what do we need to get those breezes? We need a little bit stronger winds in the mid to upper level of the atmosphere. Yeah. And so that results from what we call a tidal pressure gradient. And that, that's just looking at the, 
atmospheric pressure in two locations. And if you have high pressure in one location and low pressure fairly close to that, you have a tight gradient okay, right. from high to low. And that brings the stronger winds and that'll help push the mount, uh, storms off the mountains. Huh. So that same thing holds for, for New Mexico, I would imagine. Um, in in their areas where there's there's topography, but Mike, how, so so Arizona's been relatively uh, relatively good in, in many parts, as you say, JJ, and you said it as well, Mike. But um, New Mexico has benefited pretty well this this summer too. Yeah, they've done really well. That the um, when the precip came in on time and it's it's sort of sustained. There's there was a um, I talked with some folks in West Texas at the beginning of the monsoon season because they were really nervous. I mean, things had they gotten beat up pretty good with the winter droughts. Summer last year was not very good. And there was real concern that <clears throat> at that point, too, the Climate Prediction Center had put a, a below average bullseye over them for the seasonal forecast because there was some, some model um, information coming in that was suggesting that, that New Mexico was going to go dry and West Texas was going to go dry. And, and within a week, that immediately turned around and they've done really, really well. Um, they've actually seen the drought monitor sort of really push back from that area because they've had such good accumulation of rains from sort of El Paso up through much of New Mexico. And again, we're, I'm not talking about complete drought relief because we're talking a hole, a multi-year hole is not gonna get relieved by you know, 10 thunderstorms. Um, but the totals have been um, at least average, if not two to three times average across much of New Mexico. And again, we know this now, we're living this in Tucson during the the middle of good monsoons, somebody loses. Right. Right. And that's just the nature of monsoons. And we there just happen to be a lot of people under the hole right now. And those holes are in every monsoon season. So you know we're, we we should remember this during the next good monsoon season in Tucson that somebody else is probably not not faring as well as we are. Well, it is somewhat good news for for New Mexico, at least in terms of uh, short term drought, uh, with some small improvements. They'll take any improvements. Yeah. I mean, I'm not knocking this. I'm just We've got to keep our eye on the ball with as far as drought improvements. Right. It takes a couple of years. It's going to take a couple of years to get out of it. Right. And it's still, actually, if you look at the U.S. Drought Monitor map, it's it's still the area that is under the most widespread and intense drought in the, in the U.S. Yeah, and that's been intentional is that um, there's been a lot of discussion to not let the precip metrics move the drought monitor needle too much because there's too many impacts and there's, there's the deficits are too deep at longer time scales. You know, if you like got, water supply. Yeah, if you got distracted by, a, you know, like... We have to we have to um, really temper this tendency too. Is like that six inch, one six inch rain in Sierra Vista is amazing, but what does that really do for anybody? Right. Um, it runs off and runs you know down the San Pedro and it's gone in a couple of weeks and it's evaporated. It's not really contributing to water resources. It's not really it's not a good distributed um, amount of soil moisture over a season to grow anything. Those kinds of things. Again, not, there's nothing wrong with right. it, and we'll take it, but at the same time, that getting precip that way doesn't have the effect you necessarily want. So we need, a, we need this winter to, to, to come through in a big way. Yeah, we need, we need to have some back-to-back, at least average seasons. We, we haven't pulled that off yet. Yeah, and there's, there doesn't seem to be an El Nino help on the way for us, which tends to deliver above-average precipitation. Not that I see. <laughs> I don't, you know, I think no, that small. was the last... You know, yeah. that it sounds like small probabilities. I, I looked at the last discussion with um, uh, Institute for International Research Institute for Climate Society (IRI), which partners with Cl- NOAA Climate Prediction Center on their ENSO forecast, was that the the models have an unusual amount of um, divergence for this time of year, which I thought was kind of interesting. So they're picking up on different patterns in the Pacific and going different directions with that. So. 
but overall they seem to converge on if you average them all out on neutral. So we're a little blind, but probably nothing to look for. But neutral isn't isn't uh, isn't optimistic news. <laughs> it's not bad. It's better than a La Nina. It's better than a La Nina. <laughs> I'll take that. But there is, at least in, in my recollection for for Arizona, if you look at bulk Arizona, there is a tendency for neutral conditions to to deliver below average um, precipitation. It's it's slight. The odds are slightly tilted in that direction. But you're right. There it does go both ways. It goes both ways. I mean, last you year know, we it was only it was yeah. a neutral and. Well, you got to think too. Our our precip distribution is skewed because the El Ninos, when they do happen, they end up delivering a ton of ton of moisture. So it's it's a you know it's not fair to say that a neutral is going to give us dry. It's just that the precip is you know skewed a little bit. I right. think what it does is it it opens up the chance for weather to happen. And, right. And it even you know some of those atmospheric river events happen during during neutrals. So hey, why not? <laughs> right. Think po- think positive. Yeah, that. <laughs> that's right. You're Good in the drought doldrums. <laughs> it's been so long. I know. You, know, you, you just get is. conditioned to think it's going to be dry. Are. You are. Yeah. It's sort of glum. Okay, so what what's the take home then? If somebody were to come up uh, and ask, how do we characterize this this monsoon? What what would you guys say? What's 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 the tagline? What's the headline? I would say, just from the data I've seen, is that for most of Arizona and most of New Mexico, well, I guess you could just say most of Southwest, it's been pretty good. If you were to take one sliver of, say, a a diagonal line from Las Vegas to Tucson and include Phoenix in that, that sliver and add, you know, maybe 100 miles either side of that line, that's been our dry line. Uh, Where folks to the north and east of that, oh, it's been great. Flagstaff, the White Mountains, everything. And then as you get closer down towards southern Arizona, you know, the southeast portion of the state has done great. But then there's that line where, where it's just been a little dry. And it just so happens, as Mike mentioned, that's Vegas, Phoenix, and Tucson. Yeah, people are. Biggest population centers in the southwest, all dry. Yeah, so, so per capita, it's, it's pretty, pretty crummy. <laughs> that, <laughs> may be a, fair, that may be really. a new metric, though. It kind yeah. of, yeah, monsoon metric per capita, yeah. <laughs> But you know, and I think too that those population centers are in the low desert, and it's hard. Yeah, it's much harder to rain down yeah. there. You know, think of, like as JJ was pointing out earlier, you have to have so many features come together just right to put down really good widespread events in those areas, and they and they really only happen a couple of times a summer, right? At best, and we just they just haven't happened this year, really, in the way that that they have in the past. So we tend to forget it's a it's a Mexico centric phenomenon. Do we? Do you guys have any insight? I haven't paid attention at all to the monsoon in, in, in Mexico. Have either of you? I can just tell you from watching the activity on, yeah. on kind of a daily basis. I don't actually have a true metric of, yeah. of how much it's rained, but they've had a lot of overnight what we call MCSs, which are very large complexes of thunderstorms. Mesoscale. Mesoscale convective system. Yeah. Very good. Uh, and they have those every year. I mean, that's not uncommon. But it just seems like they've had plenty. <laughs> right. And we've been, and that's why, you know, you look at your border areas, Douglas, Nogales, they've done very well this year. Right. Um, and I would assume that if you just go a little bit further south where all that moisture is locked up, they've, uh, they've done well too. Yeah. In fact, uh, I invite your listeners, if they haven't done so already, I, I took a trip over to Bisbee, oh, two, three weekends ago, and it literally looked like the plains of Kansas in the middle of the rainy, rainy season. Green. It's just green and grassy. Cattle uh, loving it. Oh, man. Yeah, it's yeah, good. It's, it's incredible. It's a good summer for that. Yeah. Okay, so then, so then looking forward now, um, and forgetting about talking about the seasonal climate outlooks for a minute, and let's just think about uh, 
what's in store. I mean, we still have a couple more weeks, three, four more weeks uh, of the monsoon season, so the, the narrative can change a little bit, um, uh, but hopefully not. Hopefully it still remains the same. Looking outward, wh what do we expect in the next coming months? Um, the sort of fall, if you will. We don't really have fall here. <laughs> yeah, the days will get shorter. <laughs> I'm confident of that. <laughs> it'll cool down a little. Great, bit. that was that was informative. <laughs> <laughs> it'll cool. It'll, 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 it'll cool. It for us. Right. Okay. Um, what, so, what are the events, though? I mean, what it. We still get precipitation. There's there's opportunities for uh, influxes of, of hurricane or tropical storm moisture. Um, it's r relatively drier than the, the monsoon, you know. And then obviously, uh, so I mean, and, and it's getting hotter in terms of if you look at that season, just the September, October, November period. You know, the trends are that it's you know increasing. At, that's the story everywhere uh, for the most part. What so is there anything else? in terms of the this transition season that that's worth talking about so it's just the immediate the sort of transition to fall yeah um you know i think that the thing that i always look for i i joke but the, the shortening days i really look forward to <laughs> just because that that's opening up um opportunities for things to cool down here moisture moving out gives us a much better diurnal temperature range you know it's going to cool off at night and that kind of stuff but but you're right i mean there's some interesting things um can happen in september um i'll past the JJ and the transition season, but I think also keeping an, uh, keeping an eye on um, tropical activity, because that, you know, when land falling um, tropical storms that can, are able to recur through the Southwest, um, for the most part happen September, October, mm -hmm. I think through the records, and even as late as November. Um, and <clears throat> October is a funny season in the climate record because it's mostly dry, but has our record flooding events also in the record. So it's a Related, super, yeah, to super flat distribution um, <coughs> and you know, real crapshoot as far as year to year. Nothing you can really see coming out, looking out in time. Um, the expectation is it'll just sort of dry and cool off, but you get totally whacked by an errant tropical storm or something. And doesn't, like, I, I know we're, there's some uncertainty in an ENSO, El Nino Southern Oscillation event, but does the sort of transition to one event or the other, like, influence that this season at all? The, well, it's typically, if you, if you kind of go back to the record, um, there is a little bit of a relationship with our tropical storm activity with El Nino events, just because it's just more favorable warm water across the eastern Pacific, um, less hostile to storms. And, and if that warm water's moved far enough north, less hostile for storms to both form later in the season and then also sort of move north. Um, La Niñas can do the opposite. They tend to kill the East Pacific season and uh, limit that activity. So we're in the middle right now. And so, and just as JJ was pointing out, there's a, there's a tropical storm um, forms, it's moving north, it's gonna, that'll, that'll kill it if it's moving into um, less favorable waters. But at the same time, you know, that's still something that could continue for the next couple of weeks anyways. I mean, just seeing recurrent, recurrent events. Great, okay. Uh, I think we're running out of time. Um, anything else? You guys oh, want JJ talk about transition? Oh yeah, transition, we missed September. that. Sure, uh, well just real quick, you know, we typically see the the end of what we would consider monsoon thunderstorm activity starting to die off around mid-September, maybe as late as the 20th. Um, but something really interesting happens in September, is, as y'all have mentioned, we go into this transition where uh, we see more of these large upper level low pressure systems coming out of the Gulf of Alaska and riding the westerly winds, so from west to east. 
Um, and we obviously don't see many of those during the summer, uh, and that's why we're so hot. But when they come down in September, they bring a lot of cool air in the upper levels of the atmosphere, and they can also, if there's lingering moisture from our you know, end of the monsoon period, uh, they can push a lot of that moisture up and you can see a lot of lift, a lot of shower and thunderstorm activity. And like Mike said, you can have these really great rain events at the end of September and early October that are really not associated with the monsoon. Um, so yeah, you can always hope for something like that. And, and yeah, I still hope, Zach. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it happens. Yeah. <laughs> it has happened. I don't know what to say. I do have to beat it out of my head that we're all, <laughs> all doomed for, for a, a drought and a drought future. But you're right. Like, hopefully this winter and the fall season will bring you know, copious rains and, and uh, you know, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll change the story a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so let's, let's, let's end it with that. Thanks, JJ, and thanks, Mike. Um, and thanks for everybody listening. You'll be able to access this podcast on both the Klimas site, which is www.klimas spelled C-L-I-M-A-S dot Arizona dot E-D-U and also on the Southwest Climate Change Network site uh, which if you're listening you've already gotten the site so it's a little <laughs> a little odd that I'm saying this but nonetheless www.southwestclimatechange.org and there's also a bunch of other information uh, climate and weather related on those sites so if you can get a chance to check those out it'd be great uh, and we'll be back hopefully in a month or so to, to talk more And uh, thanks again.